0: (laughs) do i talk too much
1: no 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 first of all absolutely not and second of all sometimes you have a very quick explanation
0: (laughs) it's so hard i mean you know what uh we were talking with shauna and uh it's it's like we there's like layers and layers of like jokes that happen and uh It's like we made our own little universe.
1: Yeah. It's years worth of jokes. Yeah. You've been building your joke world. I have an update on my feral kittens.
2: Oh, we share.
1: And their possible future life with a dog. Uh, The woman that is in charge. Well, because last week, you may recall, William was like, we got a dog after having our cats for what, six years. And that seems like their life is pretty miserable now. And I was like, Ooh, that's what I want to avoid. Uh, The woman who runs this cat, uh, the cat adoption part, the woman who like tries to help everyone feel good about their cats um, is also a dog trainer and has dogs and her like specialty is introducing dogs to cats.
3: Oh, no way. And,
1: and like, oh. setting up um, that interaction. And she said that for any cat, it can work, that it's mostly incumbent on the dog. The dog has to be okay. So if the dog is prey-driven, it'll, like, never work. But she said that feral cats or cats that have some amount of feralness actually do way better um, with dogs because they have the time that they were on the streets where they trust, they had interactions with animals and they like trust animals more than they trust humans. So, huh. so That's she was like, she basically didn't even think it was a problem. She just said, we have to wait until the cats feel good. Hmm. So now I feel hopeful for my kittens. <laughs> And our future dog.
3: Do you know what kind of dog you're looking at?
1: Uh, well, we want wanted to do a rescue, and it's looking like most of the ones that are of the sort of size that we would want are ending up being German Shepherd mixes. Cute. Leaning towards that.
0: Love German yeah. Shepherds. Some Love their pointy ears.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm jealous.
3: William, you practically have a dog. It's better than I know, the situation
0: I'm in. I want the mirror boys.
1: <laughs> well, I, f- I think you can find some greyhound rescues.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting your future dog.
1: Yes. And maybe someday the cats will be uh, friendly enough that they can also meet humans. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. Uh, should we get this thing started?
0: Let's do it.
1: And welcome to another episode of EdTech Cafe, a podcast series produced by the Educational Technology team at Stanford Medicine. Our team sits at the intersection of art, science, and education, and in this space we'll sit down with other media and production-savvy professionals to discuss how they use their talents to support science and improve educational outcomes across the globe. I'm Jessica Whittemore, joined by my Sometimes Talkative co-hosts, William (laughs) Bettini and Andrew Beck. Actually, I guess the Sometimes Talkative only applies to William, because Andrew you're
0: always talkative. Well, I guess that's my sometimes. cue to shut up now. <laughs> I think for me I I feel like I'm not fully in control of when I feel talkative. You know what I mean? I like
1: I absolutely empathize with that,
0: William. Like there's some sort of switch in my brain and uh, like a, a circuit breaker. And then sometimes <laughs> it's just like doink. <laughs> and I have
3: to reset it. Sounds like sounds like my circuits are always broken. Then.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. No, Yours you have are always on
1: circuits. Yeah.
0: Oh, difference. you have good wiring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'll be complaining to a friend about how I've been like super introverted for the last bit. I'm like, man, I just haven't connected with anyone in a long time, and then. I will completely dominate a Zoom call later that evening. Like, How did that even happen? I don't know.
3: You know, it's like once you uh, aren't satisfying your quota of talking, sometimes it just comes out.
1: Yeah, it's true. Uh, So in this penultimate episode of our first season of EdTech Cafe, we are joined by Shauna Poli, which... Oh,
0: man. Tell us what we have to look forward to in this interview. Hmm. Well, Shauna is my fiancé. <laughs> and uh, she's a rock star. and Literally. Uh, and uh, she is a, a music teacher. She teaches mostly young kids. Um, and she's just awesome. She's just awesome. She... Um
3: had a lot of sweet things to say about it was I think it started out with music production and and doing sound design work and stuff like that but it, it you can definitely extrapolate it to like other types of creative art Yeah, whether it's like uh finding inspirations in places outside of your immediate field of work or inspiring others to To really, empower, you know, feel empowered.
1: I'm totally inspired by her. I just think that she's so cool. And I (laughs) wish that I I kept thinking of questions like, I don't know why she went to China. I don't know what she studied in college. I don't know how she ended up uh, working at Stanford or in the music center at Stanford. I have like so many more questions. So, and I really... Yeah. She sort of offered to do a, a songwriting course class session with our team. And I like full on want to do that. That would just be. Yeah. So.
0: I wonder how, uh, I wonder what the design of that, a session like that would be. Cause it, it sounds really fun. And I want to see if we can make it happen.
1: Absolutely. She could totally develop that as a like a team building. Uh, retreat corporate thing that she gets paid
3: to do. Oh my god. If, if we could be on lead vocals, that would be amazing.
0: <laughs> by, by the way, during our conversation, Shauna mentioned all of her, all of the upcoming music and all of the stuff on the walls. These are like, th- this is like our projects. This is like a chart of all of the stuff coming up for the upcoming records up there is in my handwriting. um, Her next album's track listing. And then back here is an outline of a, of a movie that we want to do together.
1: (laughs) (laughs) For for those of you who can't see what William is pointing to, it's a series of of, uh, papers taped to the wall. Some of them handwritten, (laughs) some printed, A calendar, one of those looks like a full-on sheet from an easel, one of those big poster sheets. you will have a lot of plans.
0: A lot of plans. So that's a great conversation coming up. I feel like I just want to talk about Shauna all the time.
1: (laughs) I was very impressed with how reserved you were to let Andrew ask the questions.
3: I know. I wanted you to get help, you know, help out a little bit,
0: William. Oh, like this is I was someone you know very well. I was hel- holding back because uh, I wanted her to speak, and I wanted you two to ask questions. I know all the ans- I know a lot of the answers.
1: <laughs> okay, but <laughs> I kind of want you to like ask a question that you didn't know the answer to.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I should do that.
1: <laughs> oh wait, no, that, that, <laughs> that reminds me. Tell us uh, something interesting
0: about shana that we don't know oh yeah i was thinking about what what to say um i'll tell you this she is by a mile the best tetris play, player i've ever seen oh wow
3: tetris by like on the mile.
0: phone or on the computer or just uh, tetris in general she plays um she plays this version called tetris 99 which is a battle royale where you have 99 people playing tetris against each other it's on the nintendo switch and it's so it's 99 people playing against each other and when you clear a line that line gets sent to somebody else that you're targeting and it's very hard and it's overwhelming i've literally never won a game and she's got to this point where she she wins constantly wow she's she says she's training to be a champion. I think she could do it. She's in, she's really good.
1: That is so <laughs> specific and that is just exactly what I was looking
3: for. She did mention how like one of the things she loves about music is uh, how you you as the musician kind of embody that music. you strum the chords and all that. you know it seems like she's translating that very well to Tetris where she is embodying those blocks. And she is she's yeah. becoming <laughs> those blocks. <and laughs> well,
0: <that's>, maybe <laughs> me, I I would say. And so to answer your other question about well, what she studied, one thing she studied was neuroscience. Um, and. When we we talk a lot about flow, um as a, just a quality of experience and i think that's something that you experience when you play music and that i think that was something she brings up about the embodied experience of playing and i think that tetris is one of those games that creates flow where you you just get in the zone and and it like if if you if you know if you're like comfortable playing and comfortable with the stress level you you, you just like vibe into victory. <laughs> and, <laughs> so I that's don't know. A,
1: that's a good point. You have to be fully present to succeed in playing Tetris. Because if you look away for a second, you're buried.
3: Buried. Have you looked There's have you guys snow. looked up uh whether there are competitions
0: or like esports um yeah. tournaments or something? There are um Actually, we have a friend um, who is a three times consecutive Tetris champion <laughs> who talks trash, frankly. And uh, <laughs> I am looking forward to seeing her destroy him in a competition. I also think there's, <laughs> I don't think there's a, ever been a female Tetris champion, too. So, you know, hopefully that can get smashed. By Shauna as well.
1: (laughs) If you need anyone to hold up some figurative posters, I'm in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, keep us posted. I would love to um, spectate. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. 2021. That's the year. It's a big year.
1: It's the year for so much.
0: (laughs) For everything, really.
1: (laughs) Uh, I don't feel like... (laughs) transitioning into treat i just like want it right now cuz i don't know i feel like william today you're radiating creative energy so oh, just <laughs> like let's get into this treat treat of the day treat of the day treat of the day treat treat of, treat of the, the day, treat, treat treat. Of the day. Yes. Okay, okay treat of the day is When William Bettini tells us something that has been on his mind this week that can be of any sort of flavor. It can be salty or sweet or bitter or sour. It could be savory. (gasps) Cheesy? Okay, William, what's our flavor today?
0: This isn't the flavor, but as a matter of fact, We're making an apple pie tonight with a cheese top crust.
1: No, you're not.
0: We are. We literally (laughs) bought a Vermont uh, cheddar on the way home.
1: I've I've never had (laughs) apple pie with cheese on top. I know that that's a thing, but I don't know why, and I'm scared.
0: Uh, I'm scared, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, like so Shauna's parents uh sent a gift to her this week and they were like it's not a Hanukkah gift it's not a Hanukkah gift but they sent it during Hanukkah so <laughs> anyway um and they're Jewish and um it was it's an apple it's a mechanism that will peel core and chop an apple in five seconds and it's hand cranked Oh, wow. I'll send a video. It's I was really skeptical I, and we got it, we opened it up. I was like, what the hell is this? First of all, Sean is allergic to apples. <laughs> 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 Second of all, nope. why? And I but I should expect, you know, I I, I wasn't that surprised because earlier in the year um I sliced my finger open like really badly and um Shauna's grandma sent me a care package with bagels and cream cheese and a bagel guillotine which <laughs> cuts bagels in half but what it what the object what the device looks like is it looks like a device for slicing your finger completely off <laughs> so it's just bizarre but, but I guess, okay.
1: I mean, that one kind of <laughs> sounds like a threat.
0: <laughs> yeah. She she didn't. Anyway, so we get strange things from them all the time. And uh, to make use of the apple machine, we're doing this pie. Um, But that's not the treat of the day flavor. Cheese is not the flavor.
1: Wait, but first, do her parents, do they forget that she's allergic to apples? Have we confirmed that they know that she's <laughs> allergic to apples?
0: Well, I think okay. So <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> um, I, I what from what I understand, Jana is literally allergic to apples, but um, her parents just don't believe this is what? true.
1: That's worse than forgetting. I don't like that.
0: Well, you know, when we had COVID earlier in the year, um, they also didn't believe it (laughs) until we got the antibody (laughs) test two months later. So.
1: All right. Tell me this
0: treat. (laughs) That's a transition. the (laughs) The only thing on my mind, the flavor wise, is ice. Ice cold. That's the hmm. flavor
1: <laughs> that's a temperature <laughs>
0: uh, okay then maybe carrot because uh snowmen's snowmen snow people have uh carrot noses and um i just want to talk or about a button snowmen. Nose. or a button nose or a leaf nose or a stick for a nose um so uh this week in new york um it snowed last night it snowed a foot of snow in upper manhattan and that was so awesome and really fun we haven't had snow like this for two years um since i moved here there was only one really good um snow day and two years ago that snow day happened. It was sort of a surprise. And, um, I, because I'm not from the snow, I love snow. So I went out and, uh, you know, went for a walk, went sledding, really just like enjoyed the snow so much. And I live next to this incredible park called Fort Tryon park, which is, it's the site of a former Rockefeller mansion which is now a memorial site for a fort that was part of um, some American Revolutionary War battles, which included the first woman to uh, fight as a soldier in combat in America, Margaret Corbin. Um, And now the park is this glorious wonderland that has, that has, flower gardens um this met museum called the cloisters which is this amalgamation of four uh four medieval monasteries from europe that an insane person shipped over to america and reassembled
1: <laughs> rich people are nuts
0: rich people are so weird i feel like like all of manhattan is they're like these carcasses of like rich people's crazy projects all over here. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> Fort Tryon is now like it's it's my favorite park. It's not the biggest park. It's kind of out of the way for most people, but it's just fantastic. It's a, this ruin that's become this place for life to happen. And uh, I went walking there when the snow happened two years ago and just i was so impressed by the diversity of snow people uh and snow animals too that um the kids in the neighborhood made and adults in the neighborhood made and it got me thinking way back then that i want to document these snowmen uh, in a way that uh you know brings them into a, a, a context where you can really appreciate them as little sculptures that are made in a moment. They never last. They're not meant to last and then they're gone, but they are like these little emblems of a perfect day uh, in the snow, I think. And, um, I had this idea to do a snowman yearbook in the same way that you would have a yearbook in, in elementary school with like a muslin backdrop, and then it never snowed again (laughs) (laughs) until last night so today um i i had all my stuff charged i had my backdrop ready and we went out to fort tryon and we photographed 24 snowmen and so snowmen are on my mind today and i was uh you know, we we uh we were just talking about flow and um something that Shauna brings up in her interview is uh like the meditative aspect of playing music and I think uh for me something that I think is special about Snowman that I wanted to capture with this photo series that I'm doing is um the feeling of a single moment that a snowman represents because it is that you know it's it's nothing more and nothing less than than a moment in the snow uh that's focused into a little sculpture with a shape and a character and a personality and i think that's uh in a year where we have uh disaster after disaster and like injustice after injustice and we I think in this feeling of dread about the future and hope hopelessness, I feel like perfect little moments are something that we should try to uh cling on to try to try to have and try to cultivate. And I think a snowman is that thing. Um, So I wanted to hang on to that in in some way.
3: There's something really bittersweet about what you said about, you know, how they don't last. Unlike those, unlike the rich Manhattanites with their weird projects and ideas.
1: Uh, Still there centuries later.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Very, very true to life. Speaking of
0: um, weird rich people things. (laughs) Um, let me just get the name one second (laughs) okay here it is okay speaking of weird rich people things um there is one snowman that is made to last which (laughs) which is um a piece an art piece called snowman by peter fishley and david weiss um which is a snowman constructed inside of a freezer that is plugged into a wall and it is, um, kept cold forever preserved in its little, um, you know, four by six foot freezer with a glass window. So you can look into it. Um, And it's sitting at the MoMA in uh, in New York.
1: No, that's stupid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I just, uh, yeah. So uh, the snowman's on my mind. Uh, Do either of you have any snowman memories? I don't think I've ever fully completed a
3: snowman because I always, I I would always want to make it like big and life size, and I. Just trying to roll up that first ball into a big enough ball. Uh, I think I get (laughs) disheartened or something and I just chuck it at somebody instead of finishing it.
1: Yeah, I think the only one... I think I built one when I was like four or five. I don't think I've made one since.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're all Californians, so...
1: I did spend a year and a half, a winter and a half in Michigan for grad school. Um, And I did get my fill of snow then, but I guess I didn't have time for snowmen. That makes me sad.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The wonderful thing about the photos you showed, William, of all the snowmen is, um, I mean, I imagine each of them was built by a different person. uh, Just an assumption. And yeah. Um each of them has their own like unique characteristic. It's it's almost like it's almost like a creative project in and of itself. Like it it was was the expression and the personality of its creator.
1: I like how some of them were clearly premeditated whereas others probably happened spontaneously. Like the ones where someone brought a scarf and left yeah. it. And then also had a bunch of matching loose buttons to
3: put on the snow person. And not all of them had, you know, the classic, like, uh, two balls on top of each other or whatever. I don't know why back then when I was a kid I was so fixated on making them into perfect spheres. I could have just mushed a bunch of snow together, stuck some coal on them. That would have been my snowman.
0: Oh, you have coal, Andrew? (laughs) maybe
3: that year i was a bad (laughs) kid uh (laughs)
0: i've i've literally never seen coal i've never had a piece of coal i've had charcoal um i think uh yeah you know it is an it is an art project but i think the fun thing about a snowman is that you don't I don't think you necessarily think of it as an art project because it's an activity. It's also a lot of work. Like it's very tiring. Um, but it's something that anybody can do and everybody who does it in doing it, they leave their own sort of their take on a snow person. And, uh, there's definitely like, there's definitely this sort of spectrum from, the spontaneous sculpture to the one that is premeditated to the like snowman as a sculpture art project and (laughs) the ones that i i like almost always like the ones that look like they were just kind of spontaneously generated by a bunch of kids having fun
3: that kind of that kind of goes hand in hand with your uh aesthetic william the good bad almost it's like yeah. sometimes these things are so like hastily or spontaneously put together that um a real snowman snob if you will would be like uh <laughs> that's just a pile of snow you know <laughs> on top of one another but you see you see the cuteness the beauty or whatever even in the, I think most for, underappreciated
0: for me, snowman. For me personally, like in general, like as somebody who appreciates artwork, the thing one thing that I think I value more than a, a the majority of people is not just the process, but the process as a part of life, of the person who is making it. Do you know what I mean? Um, like, I think of I think a a what makes a snowman great is if it was really fun to make. Well,
1: in that case, <laughs> right? I bet they're all great.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there, all the ones I saw today were really cute.
3: Is this like an annual thing at that park? Where, or, or rather than annual, like more like, yeah, if there's snow, um, it's like a known park for propping up all these snowmen
0: uh, i wouldn't say it's known for that but if you're going to go somewhere when it snows that's and you live in this neighborhood that's where you go however this year is unique in many ways um because it uh, you know when it snows like this generally the next the next day it's a snow day um because nobody can get to school but because everyone's doing remote learning, snow day wasn't called. And I feel like that's just wrong.
1: (laughs) That's totally wrong. And I like to think that all 24 of the snow people that you found today were from kids playing hooky from school and that their parents let them. I really (laughs) hope so. I feel like snow day. I mean, I've never had a snow day, but I feel like they
0: should be sacred. Yeah,
1: it's a <laughs> sacred concept.
0: Snow is so cool. At least, in a place <laughs> like, I mean, it's ice cool. <laughs> in a place like New York, where, or like, I don't know, I think we'll be lucky to have like two really good snow days a year. It's like an event. Where suddenly the whole city looks different, um, and um, I don't know. I think we should appreciate that. What
3: are you guys doing for uh, Christmas? Is there anything going on? I, I I mean, I'm sure we can't really do as much as we want to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I, if under current county guidelines, if I'm even supposed to go in my parents' backyard socially distanced with a mask, which is what we have been doing. But I don't even know if we're supposed to do that anymore.
0: Jeez. Well, I'm not traveling home, which I was really upset about that for most of this month because um, I couldn't go back for Thanksgiving. But um, uh, instead, we're all, we'll... <laughs> I I, We got a Christmas tree for the first time. and Us, too. Doesn't it feel... It it feels kind of nice in a way.
1: Yeah, I feel like, oh, I'm an adult now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I didn't want to be, but now I am. (laughs) Now you can
3: start building up your ornament collection.
1: Yeah, I got a tinsel tree that's pre-lit so that right now it looks really beautiful and I... Don't have to put ornaments on it so that I don't feel the pressure to Mm -hmm. uh, collect ornaments that I don't love. So I'll just, I'll start like slowly building up that collection. But for now, no ornaments.
0: I like that look.
1: I'm very pleased. I also have a great uh, fur candle that smells like a tree with the fake tree. So it kind of tricks your brain. (laughs)
0: Nice. (laughs) We, uh, uh, so we have the tree. Under the tree, I'm embarrassed to say it's like a horror show version (laughs) of Christmas. Like, what
1: does that mean?
0: You know, under the tree, you put presents. Yes. Well, this year,
1: (laughs) for listeners that aren't aware.
0: This year, every single present is coming in the mail. And so all of the presents are just, they're still in their brown packing boxes. And we're, we're going to fix that when the wrapping paper comes. but <laughs> in, in its own box. But right now it looks like it's a Jeff Bezos' Santa Claus Uh, christmas which is the worst case scenario that
1: does make me want to scream
0: yeah i've been trying to not use amazon but sometimes we do
1: yeah sometimes you have to i tried with the cats to not use amazon and i'm pretty proud of myself i only bought two things uh for the cats from amazon out of the like dozens of things
0: what are you doing andrew yeah, I'm not doing anything either for Christmas.
3: Uh, um, I mean, in in keeping with uh, talking about Christmas trees, um, my parents, I we we haven't set up a Christmas tree in years, and for some reason, maybe it was because of the weird year, uh, my mom decided to get a real tree and prop it in the dining room. Um, I was sad I didn't get to set it up because I the other day. Um, At my girlfriend's sister's house, um, where they have a one-year-old, I helped with setting up a fake tree and putting up ornaments and wrapping presents. And it was such a nice, like, jolly time. Um, It's just something I haven't done. I, I always get together with family and friends for Christmas But it's been so long since I've done the whole traditional stuff, like wrapping presents and setting up trees.
1: Uh, This will be the first year, possibly ever, but certainly that I can remember, where I'm not decorating the Whittemore family Christmas tree. Oh! Uh, I have a tradition since at least college of drinking a Manhattan while I
2: decorate the tree
1: (laughs) by myself. Or yell at my brother for doing it wrong. Uh, and this will be the first time I have it. It's going to be weird. I guess I should also mention that the tree that we have is my first tree as an adult. That's mine, but it's also Muhammad's first ever Christmas tree.
0: Oh, yeah. Ooh.
1: So that feels pretty cute. I'm hoping that we can um, make our own tradition that starts this yeah. year. Born of born of shelter in place that we can carry forward.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it makes sense. It's not your first year, or rather, um, it's the first year not doing it for the Wintermore family tree because you guys guys are starting a family of your own practically with a new house, new cats, new (laughs) new spouse.
1: (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) That being said, I
1: definitely would have decorated my mother's tree for her had
0: had I been allowed to yeah this is also Shauna's first Christmas tree oh yeah <laughs> um, and my first menorah
1: yay the one the one with the snake
0: yeah our uh, our friend um made the menorah for me which is pretty cool <laughs> so you guys are like do you guys have both like decorations all
3: around the house right now
0: yeah, well, I'm not saying this. Shauna is saying this. <laughs> she was saying that like Hanukkah doesn't have a lot of the things that uh, it doesn't have the rich Christmas tradition uh, of all of these different stories and things that have become like you know commercial aesthetic things that you buy for Christmas. So she's really excited about that. I'm really excited about lighting candles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) From like and learning that
0: um, that prayer. (laughs) Right. She said. She said the only way I'm allowed to learn it is by trying to pick it up as she's singing it. So (laughs) I've got like the first two lines.
1: (laughs) Do you think you'll have it by the eighth night?
0: Maybe the eighth year.
1: (laughs) You only listen to it those 64 times.
0: By that 64th (laughs) time, you'll have the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Uh, Do either of you have a favorite tradition? I'm taking suggestions for the thing that Muhammad and I can start up.
3: Hmm. Hmm. aside from the usual presents under the tree
1: yeah or like cinnamon rolls for breakfast
0: <laughs> milk and cookies <laughs> I really like I really like the um, stocking I think the stocking makes the stocking takes a lot of the uh, mm, how do I say this getting a gift for getting gifts for people you could literally get anything or make something or maybe they don't want a gift and you need to maybe there's an experience or a letter that you write it's like the universe is full of uh, possibilities which is extremely stressful um especially when there's it's not just one person you're doing that for. It's like a bunch of people. Um, I think stalking takes that universe and condenses it down into the shape of a foot and a leg. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and suddenly it's like, all right, I have I have this to work with. The I have size the, of a have, foot. <laughs> what am I going to do? And, I, I, and then I, I don't know. I, I feel like all of those little things makes you think in a different way, too. Like, oh, what's the little thing that I can do? So I think the stocking is a great thing.
1: We don't have stockings.
0: Maybe you can make some. Well, this is year zero.
1: I mean, I I would, like, learn how to knit just so I could make socks. (laughs) Except I know those are really hard to make. So it would take me. There's not enough time to learn that right now.
3: I'm personally all about the lights. Um, mm-hmm. I I already like throughout the year I have kind of <laughs> Christmas lights set up in my living room. Um, because I much more than the white. Um, what do you call them? Like fluorescent bulbs that come come in apartments. Uh, I'm much more about the mood, yellowy, um, lights, and a lot of Christmas lights. Um, have that color, and yeah, like just like. Setting up a Christmas tree with lights, but also just throughout their house. And also, um, I don't know what your neighborhood over there is like, Jessica, but uh, both in Oakland, where I currently live now, and in San Diego, where my parents live, there are neighborhoods with um, Christmas, like, what do they call it? Like Christmas lanes? Bless you. Mm. Oh, my dog just sneezed. Um, Uh, where you, yeah, it's like the entire block or maybe a couple blocks are just decked out with lights. Um, and on their front yards, they have all kinds of decorations, like, um, you know, uh, like blow up Santas. And, uh, do you do the drive bys? I, I drive by them. Is there, is there something else you're referring to by drive by?
0: Well, (laughs) sorry. Like do you chuck eggnog (laughs) at these things? No, no. no. When I was when I was uh, a kid, my parents would um, like it was a thing we would do as part of Christmas. Is we would get we would make hot chocolate, and we'd all get into the van, um, and just drive through the neighborhood to the spots where we knew the houses had really great lights, and we'd just like be cozy. Drive around, look at the things. And it was, it's like, it's awesome. Wow.
1: I was about to say that's a really great tradition that COVID hasn't changed at all, except that we're not allowed in the car with our parents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Andrew, that reminds me about the lights that our neighborhood all have cohesive lights they have these pvc pipe hoops of lights set up so they oh, wow. create arches over all the sidewalks wow um but we don't have those because they all got them together so we are the only spot for like more <laughs> oh, than a football no. field length on our side of the street that doesn't have them <laughs>
3: <laughs> that reminds me of uh, the movie christmas with the cranks where tim allen is all bitter um, and he doesn't want to set up <laughs> Christmas lights on his house. And Dan Aykroyd is like the unofficial dictator of the neighborhood who demands that he puts up lights. Because <laughs> they're the only one. <laughs> um, I also, I used to, um, in college, I a couple of years I donated to um, toy drives. And I'm sure um, that could be a nice tradition to start up, especially this year. Um, given Ooh. that.
1: Andrew, I love that. Um, uh, Muhammad fasts for Ramadan every year. And part of Ramadan, besides not eating food or uh, having any water, is to give to charity. Uh, It's one of the pillars of Ramadan. And so that would be something that would tie like Christmas giving and Islamic giving together. That would be cute.
3: All right. Yeah, that's
1: a it's great suggestion.
3: Keep you know keep the spirit of giving alive. And lastly, I mm-hmm. never get tired of the same watching the same Christmas movies and listening to the same Christmas songs. <laughs> My go-to is Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: <laughs> it's terrible time. Oh, uh, we've been watching Elf. That's another good one. That's like our. It's a great
1: one. one. My, my favorite uh, Christmas album is Asleep at the Wheel, which is a Texas swing band, Honky Tonk. Oh, and cool. uh, they have a really great Christmas album that my mother has on CD. So that's normally what I listen to while I decorate the tree. But I haven't checked if it's on Spotify since I can't just steal her CD this year.
2: This is Where a would you even play year, it?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, if I had a CD, I
0: don't yeah. know. <laughs> uh, um, speaking of music, um I'm Italian, American, and. What? <laughs> Wait, that's the that's the Tim Allen. <laughs> what is that, Shaggy uh, Dog? <laughs> oh? How's he doing? Yeah, something like that. There's a lot of Italian-American traditions for Christmas. Like I I feel like this is this is um uh, there's so many things. There's Lou Monti is this Italian-American singer from like the Rat Pack days who he has this famous uh Christmas song for kids called Dominic the Donkey <laughs> which which i recommend you listening to (laughs) um uh this guy okay just listen google him listen to some of his music this i think this guy and his ridiculous songs are the prototype for all of the like stereotyping of the goofy italian american guy (laughs) <laughs> you know, like the gabagool and boopity-boppity. <laughs> oh I, I think he's the source. Um. <laughs>
1: Good news. Merry Texas Christmas, y'all, from Asleep at the Wheel is on Spotify. I highly recommend. it. Is It has actually an excellent version of uh, Little Drummer Boy, which is, you know, a bad song, but they have a really cool
0: version. <laughs> the only version of that song that I've heard that I like is the duet with Bing Crosby and David Bowie whoa oh yeah, which is classic so Bing Crosby does the little drummer boy part which is boring it's not interesting and for, a, the story is um they got David Bowie to do this crisp part of this song with Bing um. For a Christmas special, and the day before uh, recording, Bowie got the lead sheet, and he he thought Little Drummer Boy sucked, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, which it does. <laughs> so he wrote his own part that complements Little Drummer Boy and works on top of it, and it's really nice. You know, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but it's it's uh, sweet and it's good, good vibes.
3: Wasn't this at the height of like David Bowie's like
0: Ziggy uh, slash cocaine days? Yeah. <laughs> I think this is before the downward spiral into drug addiction and after Ziggy and Aladdin Sane and Young Americans. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty much peak.
3: <laughs> Peak Bowie. <laughs> well, this turned it turned into a very festive winter winter treat.
1: Festive, yes, but also sad. Like, yeah, I'm I'm really noticing this year how melancholy so many Christmas songs are. I'm like really feeling that in a different way this year. But that being said, I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful. Mm. um just glad to be here you know
3: and William I'm Latter. glad you're here with us because you I think are the only person I know who you know within my circle who has come across COVID and really yeah I I mean I know um like third degree connections who have had it um but just within my immediate. Um, Circle. I think you're the only one, Um, and it sounds, you know, it sounds scary. So one of
1: my one of my best friends just got her positive test on Monday. Um, Wow. It's a direct line from. She lives with her mom, who got it from when she took her grandma to the hospital, who got it from the caregiver. It's just like a direct line with like a 48-hour window between when each of them were exposed and when they got their symptoms.
0: Ugh, (laughs) awful. Scary. Is everyone doing okay, considering?
1: Considering, yes. But, you know, I mean, you know because you had it. Uh, But the, like, the cough... When you have a cough and you're like, oh, shit, I'm really sick. Yeah. And you can just hear it whenever she coughs. Oh, man. Someone say someone say something happy.
3: Well, prayers up and much gratitude that <laughs> we're all okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to winter break. Um, since I am taking my all my vacation days <laughs> to have a full oh, two yeah. weeks off. Yeah. Um, Partly just because I want to break, and also I think I told y'all how behind I am in my reading goal. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But so now I have I have to read ten books before January first, and I know I can do it, and I'm excited to sit down and read with the cat on my lap.
0: Are you choosing <laughs> short books, or are you staying true?
1: I am not letting that dictate. I'm not, like, looking up the length before I read something. Um, I will add in a few plays because I borrowed a bunch of plays from a friend, and I <laughs> should return them at some point. So I may as well uh, put some of those in there. But I mostly just get what uh, is available at the library. And so I download it and open it up, and I cross my fingers that it's not, an 800-page
0: book. <laughs> Best to avoid Stephen King, then.
1: All right. I'll, I'll take that note.
0: And Russian literature.
1: Right. Uh Actually, William, yeah. you saying that makes me want to read one.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know, have you read Salem's Lot?
1: <laughs> yes, I have. I've only read two. I read that and uh The Shining this year. Those were my first.
0: King. oh you know he wrote a sequel to shining
1: yeah from
0: dr Danny sleep grown up. dr sleep yeah i love that guy have you read his biography um on writing
2: no
0: i think you would love it i i recommend this book to everybody i think andrew you should read it too if you haven't i haven't i'd, I'd say it's probably 60 percent biography autobiography and forty percent, um, really getting into the weeds about how he writes, and the language, like focusing on language and process, and it's it's very interesting. I feel like I learned a lot from that book. Oh wow! I'm trying
1: to look up if it's at the library right now. Um I was disappointed though reading both Salem's Lot and The Shining just that they're like clearly written by a white dude however many decades ago so they're not <laughs> yeah. they're not fully at where I want them to be at I would just love like a tiny rewrite just fix some of this stuff um
0: yeah. for now oh, well, I'm going to talk to you when I finish this uh uh Death's End book I'm having I I'm having like this such a weird experience of reading it because I'm like oh I, I hate this it got bad and then and then I and then like the next chapter I'm like whoa that's amazing
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's also funny I know you were talking last time about how you haven't been able to talk to anyone about it because no one knows anything about it. So it it's kind of like surreal to be reading it. And that also mirrors the what's happening in the book. Because a lot of the stuff that happens is like so small that you can't see it. Or it's like so far in space and no one believes anyone. So I imagine that feels very like, am I even reading this book? Does this book even <laughs> exist?
0: <laughs> yeah in order to explain anything you have to kind of explain everything like Andrew, if I was going to tell you that, um, so basically there's this planet called tri solaris where these aliens that look like mirrors who speak to each other kind of like telepathically or something, they've sent protons to the earth. Um, uh, and because protons are 11 dimensional objects, they learn how to un- they learn how to unfold the 11 dimensions into two dimensions and then they print a computer on it and then they fold it back up and shoot it at the speed of light to Earth. and then each one of those particles is like a camera that can record. <laughs>
1: <laughs> William, the very fact that it's aliens is a total spoiler. Right. We don't learn that until like three quarters of the way through the first uh, book
3: yeah. <laughs> it, from the description. <laughs> it sounds like there it, it'd be hard to spoil like the experience. Like, oh, it, that's it's just true. Like, that's what? true.
1: But, but the first, the, the first book is about the Chinese revolution and it is like very grounded and real and mysterious and oh. then and then suddenly oh shit it was aliens <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah and and it it goes into places you wouldn't even you couldn't believe and you couldn't even understand
1: It's true But that's okay
0: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Yep. I was gonna drop
3: the cricket sound effects, but it just got <laughs> weird and weird, and I couldn't control. I couldn't help my laughter. <laughs>
1: you know, the only way to get William to stop talking about the three-body problem is to bring Shauna out here because she hasn't read it, so oh. we can get a critical mass of people who haven't read it, and then we'll stop talking about it.
0: <laughs> hey, uh, hey, I think that's the my future wife.
2: <laughs>
0: hey. <laughs> hey, Shauna.
3: Come hey. in from the snow. Rescue us from ourselves. I'd
2: love <laughs> <laughs> to see you
4: try and draw the line. Fakes and star-
2: we have a real one. All right, all right.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> of course you have
0: a real one. Hi, Snake. Hi.
4: I'm so glad you can hear
0: me. Yeah, yeah. We were just
3: talking about snowmen in where? Where, William? Fort Tryon. That's
0: Fort where Trion. we're going after this, Snake and I. Fun.
1: So excited yearbook of snowmen yeah i'll bet there will be a lot
2: yeah i think so
1: too i'm disappointed that the snow day isn't happening i thought i heard somewhere that they were gonna happen anyway
0: (laughs) that the snow day was gonna happen anyway yeah i think a lot of people are just taking it as they should
1: yes
3: Is there a way you can, like, take a picture now while it's snowing and then once the snow is all cleared, or not cleared, but, like, it stops snowing, see what the snowman
0: looks like? Oh, like, as it melts or? Or, like, as,
3: as, like, another foot, like, settles on top of it or something.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Mm. Okay, so uh, well, you have I'll, to find sorry. all these snowmen. You have to geotag all these snowmen. That's right. <laughs> you have to write a book yeah. for each of them, and then find them again and
0: rephotograph. Yearbooks don't come easy.
3: It takes a lot of work. It's a lot of work.
0: Yeah, and then you have to choose, um, you know, the best, uh, the the most likely to be a politician,
2: <laughs>
0: the most creative. I was most artistic in my year. For snowmen? <laughs> oh, just, no, just from your high school <laughs> class. Oh, okay. You know, the superlative? Yeah. yeah.
4: I was most likely to dissect a brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> is, that, a, is that like a scientist placeholder? Oh.
4: I think, I, yeah, I was just really into brains. And, and no one knew what to, <laughs> to say about me, so they were like, "She's probably gonna touch one one day," <laughs> which I have. <laughs>
3: you've dissected so it, or you just know. touched touched a brain?
4: I have. I've dissected a rat's brain oh. before. Oh, at Stanford. Yeah. <laughs>
3: mm, creepy. Is, yeah, is it really just creepy? as? Is it just as like uh, like um? It's not like mushy or jello at least a human brain isn't so is a rat's no, brain just as but like it is thick soft.
4: it's it's like soft and thick and it's about this big like a millimeter but i worked at i worked at in uh at a neuroscience lab at stanford for a year and oh. uh it's really hard it's hard stuff i messed up so many times <laughs> <laughs> i've used i've accidentally used like thousands of dollars of equipment incorrectly that Takes thousands of dollars to replace. It was humiliating.
3: <laughs> thousands of rats.
4: Yeah, thousands of rats. Um, I imagine
3: for something that small, you need some steady hands.
4: Yeah, and I don't have those. Yeah, me neither. I can hardly play guitar.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what?
2: That's not true at all. Yeah, that's, that's not, not true, true at all.
3: all. <laughs> I've listened to, I've listened to like Hangnail and William sent me other, um, uh, you know, random clips throughout the years. They're all great. I, I, I really enjoy it.
4: Yeah. A lot of it happens right here. I'm glad I saw that you liked it on Facebook and I was like, "Mm, it's coming. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, when I, when I tell coworkers that I'm working on the podcast, uh, like prepping for the recording the next day, it usually just means stalking people, um, stalking the guests on Facebook, social media, all that, cool. just to write that bio out. So I got to throw some likes. Can't just yeah, be stalking.
1: Throw them <laughs> no shadow stalking here. We stuck out in the open.
0: You're <laughs> stuck in the open. <laughs>
1: Our guest today is Shauna Poli. Artist, musician, sound designer, music teacher, and an honorary member of Stanford EdTech, especially given that she's the newly engaged fiancé of our very own William Patini. Shauna is currently the mastermind behind the band Snakeskin, who produces dreamy, hazy, some even say fuzzy music somewhere between the misty warmth of Slow dive and the harmonized distortions of My Bloody Valentine. This band will be releasing a new album in early 2021 called Heart, Orb, Bone. Outside of the work with her band, Shawna uses her musical talents to produce audio compositions for various groups and individuals, including Stanford EdTech, where she's created music and sound effects for a number of our videos and courses. All right.
2: Hi,
3: Shawna.
1: Hi. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Whoa.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man
1: thanks I really needed that <laughs> the bio or the applause
4: both <laughs> now I feel like a real person and now I feel like a
1: famous person I have to say I feel like you are a famous person <laughs> I'm like all a titter to ask you questions I just think you're so cool <laughs> yay <laughs> so good to hear.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think? Did I did I do a justice? Do the bio justice?
4: Well, recently I've been listening to My Bloody Valentine, and I've been thinking, oh man, if I just if I could just like access this sound, it would it would make my whole life. So I was really happy to hear that you mentioned them. I I watched a couple live videos of them, and I.
2: You know, a tear rolled down my face. <laughs> <laughs> so when they good. released
3: their last album, what was it like seven years ago? I went to one of their shows yeah. at a festival. It was probably the one show that finally blew out my eardrums. Yeah, um, and I, I, was standing, I, I was standing, I was standing about as far away as you could, and it still blew out my my ears. So I'm not that saying.
4: Album rocked though. Yeah, <laughs>
3: MBV. I'm not saying your music yeah. blows out eardrums uh, for. Better well, for worse, par- but my
4: parents actually came to my band's last show, and we had to hand out some earbuds there.
3: There you so, go. Yeah, it's the distortions.
4: Yeah, the distortions. Love
0: it. So let's talk about some of your work. I particularly like Paper Crinkle Number Three.
4: <laughs> oh, thank you. I worked really hard on that. I crinkled like ten papers to get number three. <laughs> <laughs> you should have heard one and two
3: <laughs> <laughs> was that for something something uh one of our courses like one of our videos yeah
4: papal, paper crinkle <laughs> number
2: 3 was it was
4: it was there was yeah. paper crinkle and there was also page turn there was pen yeah. on paper yeah <laughs> hits hit after hit
3: So does like how much of it is like William's creative direction being like, you know, this is what we're looking for. And how much of it is like your input, you know, you just kind of imagining and daydreaming what what the sound should be.
4: I think it is half and half. But I also think that specifically William and I are very in tune with each other. And I think that we have a really fluid creative process. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but I have worked, I've done some stuff for Vice and I've done some stuff for, I have some other sound design stuff and it starts out as my creative input and then it ends up being uh, all about the director's feedback, which changes everything. But then I have to use what I know about sound design to translate what the director is trying to get at into something that could work for a sound thing.
3: So I've tried Um, a little bit of that stuff and it's so hard to kind of think outside the box. Like when you're, uh, when the direction is like, can you make, let's say like a paper crinkle sound sometimes. Sometimes the best way to make that sound is not to crinkle paper, uh, you know, like totally. uh, you got to, I don't know, work with aluminum foil or something like that. So, yeah, do you does that come naturally to you or do you have to just experiment a lot and try out different sounds?
4: Um, I think what what works for me a lot of the time is using the actual sound first and then using EQing. Um, Mm -hmm. which is highlighting different frequencies or bringing down certain frequencies to figure out how to make the sound sound like people hear it instead of what it actually sounds like, like what it could be recognized as. And then if I feel like the EQing sounds too processed, I'll go around the house and see what else could make that specific sound. So I totally get the aluminum foil. Thing. It's a little more tinny. And usually for paper crumb crinkling, you want something a little, a couple higher frequencies. I get it. That's a great tip.
2: No, no,
3: no, no. no. That, that wasn't a tip. That was just more like... Oh,
2: I'm taking it as a tip. I'm going to use it
3: now. No, <laughs> I suck at it.
4: <laughs> no.
3: I do my I mean, best. you like, it's something
4: like, if you, if you have water rushing... It's less about the water rushing and more about recording, picking what the water is rushing into. Because you don't really hear the sound of the water rushing. You hear the sound of what it's falling on. And that gives an idea of the velocity and the amount of water and all that stuff. So,
3: oh, (laughs) Being a sound designer, do you you find yourself like analyzing the world sounds like when you're not recording. Because I remember when I first started um <laughs> when I first started Instagram and I was so hooked on like just taking photos of just random like corners of my room, for example. You know, I just started seeing photos everywhere. Kind of Yeah.
4: I think that's the best thing about learning something new is that you start to see the world through what it how it can apply to this new thing that you've learned and uh totally with sound design still even after years of doing it i still uh i take the little zoom device that william and i have and i go on sound walks just to i started making a little bit of a sound library oh yeah um, just to do something with the sounds that i record and then if i ever have a reason to use breaking twigs one through 12.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
4: yeah. Whenever the seasons change, it's nice to go on a sound walk.
2: Oh, Um, all different
4: types of sounds. When we're photographing the snowman today, I might take the zoom with me and do some. Snow crunching. Snow crunching, Yeah,
3: I love yeah. that sound.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and I feel the same way you did with Instagram. I was also, I was like, wow, this is a beautiful image of a parking
3: lot <laughs> or <You're> a trash can. <laughs> <That's kid. laughs> <right. laughs> I started to see yeah. faces everywhere, you know, oh, like an that's object.
4: That's the best kind. Yeah. Oh, I
3: think they, that's called. There's like parodolia. a term for that.
0: Yeah, pareidolia. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
4: yeah. A what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: paradolia <laughs> it's like your brain recognizing face shapes in random noise
2: <laughs> whoa
0: like you, you know how those um those big plastic like street barriers look like they are transformers robots absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wrote i wrote into
3: a screenplay once the uh Paradoilic face of a uh, an outlet, you know those outlets. Uh, they have like oh, the yeah. two dots on the top, and then one mouth where it looks like it's like mouth agape, kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Shana, what is the weirdest thing that you have ever sound designed?
3: Um.
4: Whoa, I think. Uh, the weirdest thing is, I did a project with William, where he had a bunch of different little particles uh, become letters that said "LOL," <laughs> and the particles, oh, yeah. the particles buzzed around, and then they they kind of dispersed, and then they came back and dispersed, and I was like, "What is this gonna be?" Because it can be, it can be anything. And that's what I love. Um, but I also, when I was in college, I did a, uh, um, a virtual reality sound design course, which was the coolest thing. Because it had, you had to do a lot of trigonometry to deal with the sound coming from a single source, but hitting your ears at different times. Like ambisonics. And in a different way to make it. And the sonics, yeah, binaural stuff, and uh, to make it sound realistic. Otherwise, it kind of sounds like like if you turned your head away from the source in virtual reality, it would have to sound a little less vibrant through right. the ear that's facing away. Right. And what's so cool about it was I was doing sound design for a sphere just in blank space. But I realized, like, I can make this space anything using reverb. Mm. Um, So I added some reverb to the little beeping that was coming from the sphere. And suddenly, like, this totally black space that was surrounding the sphere, dimension was created, (laughs) um, not visually, but sonically. And it kind of really affected the way that I saw the sphere and the way that I was moving towards it in a virtual Mm. space. So that was probably the coolest one and the weirdest one, because I started getting the sphere to say hello. So I recorded myself saying hello and I attached it to the sphere and I started being like, Oh, that sphere is being funny. (laughs) Like. Why does it sound so angry? It all had to do with the different ways that I process the sound in the virtual space. So I kind of, I don't know, I spent too much time with that sphere. <laughs> <And> <laughs> no one should you have, ever a, to do that.
0: <laughs> you have a sound motto, right?
4: Well, that's where my sound motto came from. Uh, when I realized that the sphere started having a personality when I attached sound to it. And it's, <laughs> sound will F you up, and sound will make you believe anything.
2: <laughs> That's
4: <my thought. laughs>
1: Yeah.
3: That's kind of true.
1: It is true. Sound yeah. will make you believe anything. <laughs> your overproduced sphere, not overproduced, your superproduced sphere uh, <laughs> makes me wonder, you've done some live sound work, right? Like foley work or... Yeah. How how is that different?
4: I haven't done, I've done Foley work, but it's always been recorded and then put into something. But I haven't been able to do live Foley work, but William and I went to see Spongebob the musical a couple of years ago.
2: second
1: mention two episodes
3: in a row. William can't stop talking about it either. (laughs) <laughs>
4: well it's just so memorable because at spongebob the musical they had a live foley artist doing all of squidward's movement and it was so cool because the guy oh, awesome. he, he had all of his little bells he had all of his little suction cups and the little whistle and every time squidward did a move he was like
1: I would love to be able to do that one day. That'd be so fun. Speaking of sound making you believe anything, that holy work makes you believe that Squidward is a yeah. live cartoon. <laughs> yeah, a living cartoon
4: right in front of me. It's like I walked back out of SpongeBob the musical and wondered why everything was real all of a sudden. You're <laughs> really amazing. Yeah.
0: That's what we happens stop when you...
4: talking about it. <laughs>
0: We took the uh, yellow pill. We can't go back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we
2: dropped
0: The yellow it. pill.
1: <laughs> you don't have to stop talking about it until everyone's seen it. True, yeah,
2: <laughs> true, true.
1: You're true. allowed to evangelize until you're only in <laughs> the choir. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that I don't even feel like I remember that
4: much about it. I
2: just remember
4: <laughs> the part I really liked. And... Uh, Remember the joy I felt in my heart. Other than that.
3: So Shauna, it sounds like it sounds like you were, you know, interested and in thinking about sound design stuff in college, but I imagine it started a little bit before that. Like how did you get involved with that kind of stuff in the first place? Was it tied to music production? Or it was absolutely tied
4: to music yeah. production. Um, I started writing songs when I was around thirteen. Um, and, uh, I would just stay in the music rooms after school ended and write, um, because it really cleared my head. I, they weren't necessarily like songs with beginnings, middles, and ends, but just kind of free form. Uh, I think I was really amazed that I could press a piano key and a sound could come out. What was your instrument of, of, instrument
3: of choice? Was that also the guitar?
4: It was the piano first. Oh, really? Um, because that's what I had access to at school. Uh, and then when I, I started basically like teaching myself more complex piano than what I had learned as a kid, and uh, then I got a guitar, and it's actually this one I have next to me. I still have it. Oh, no way. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was 14 when I got this guitar. And then I started writing songs on the guitar. And that's when I was like, uh, I think guitar for me was a little more difficult to do freeform playing on. Uh, and mm. so I actually, just because I knew so few chords, and it I think it's a little less accessible to explore the guitar right. than it is the piano um and uh I always tell so, people piano is
3: like the easiest instrument you can learn to play because you're all you're literally doing is pressing keys
4: totally I think it's also it makes sense because visually the lower parts over here the higher
2: parts right. over
4: here yeah. and it kind of chromaticism makes sense it it's very visual whereas the guitar it's like I don't know what this, what my fingers (laughs) going like, this is going to do. But when I started learning it, I started because I basically knew four chords. My songs ended up being around four chords. Um, And then I was like, I got to record this somehow. And that was when I got my first MIDI keyboard and audio interface.
2: Wow. And a
4: very reliable mic, which I'm using right now, the SM57 the best mic on earth um uh, and so i started recording and the recording sounded really bad i recorded in garage (laughs) band but uh, upon listening to them again i think they sound kind of dope now i'm like whoa these are pretty cool they they sound like a time
3: yeah, in this in this vaporwave era, you know, where yeah, 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 <laughs> that totally. lo-fi quality is always is very attractive now.
4: Yeah, and also my I feel like uh I never had any guitar pedals growing up, but I was interested in rock and roll and punk. I listened to a lot of the Pixies and mm. uh I I only had the plugins on GarageBand for electric guitar. So uh, in my 15-year-old head, I was like, I'm going to make this as loud and fuzzy as humanly possible. And uh, so I did. And I didn't have anyone to tell me it sounded good or sounded bad because I didn't show anyone. I just <laughs> recorded all the time. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's that's how that happened
3: aside from the pixies who are who are some of your other big artistic influences and it doesn't have to be music either
4: um, yeah uh, well David Lynch is one of them Ooh. and uh, yeah for sure And uh, B York and um, I and I think just uh um
3: these sound My like goodness. aesthetic influences. Like Björk is a musician, yeah. but she and Lynch both have a very unique aesthetic.
4: I think it's a uh, it's about like intention. Uh plus the weirdness. And, I, and the weirdness. <laughs> I think I love their ability to uh invite someone into a space. And uh I you know, I think that I'm interested in exploring uh, gender and music and uh, kind of just a bunch of different ideas that can be expressed through music. And I think that the artists that I admire are ones that aren't afraid to explore those ideas or are interested in doing it. Uh, So I have a very long list, almost almost everything I listen to I feel like I can get something from
3: right even if it's bad yeah. there's something to learn from it
4: yeah but I guess the bad stuff I don't like as much <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I I you know I love uh I uh one of the best parts about playing music in New York is that I have a really solid group of musicians that I've surrounded myself with who, you know, are all women or non-binary and growing up uh, it was kind of music was a huge boys club, which was why I didn't show that music to anyone. Mm -hmm. And after moving to New York and kind of having this like vibrant world of musicians and artists and cultures, exactly. It really, I feel like a lot of my favorite music now is the music that my friends are making. And that means something so, I don't know, that's a revelation for me, especially since coronavirus has started because I find myself listening to my friends' music Mm. because I love it, but also because I know my friends' hearts and I know how genuine it is. And that makes me hear the music differently. And yeah. I, I just love, I have a friend who's in a band called Anna Altman and I just love listening to her music because it sounds so good. And I know how hard she's worked on it and how passionate she is. And I don't know. Yeah.
3: And then the, the, I would
4: recommend, oh yeah.
3: No, go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead.
4: Uh, bands near me, Me. Pinky with dead Denmate.
3: William showed me Denmate once.
4: Yeah, Denmate.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, and Anna Altman, my three, my three tops for my scene. <laughs>
0: Shauna, maybe uh, you can bring up uh, the compilation that you put together recently with Matt.
4: Oh yeah, um, I also did a compilation called Hard Femme and it is a benefit compilation of artists from my beloved scene uh for uh, COVID relief in Corona Queens um and my uh my bandmate Matt uh helped me put it together well I helped him put it together and he's been doing a lot of on-site mutual aid uh stuff in Corona oh, Queens. Oh, very cool. And so that all the money go- that um it makes is going straight to Matt, who has a bodega that he's hooked up with to buy supplies for um, people who need it at a discounted rate, and then he's distributing those on his bicycle. <laughs> it's pretty cool.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: and that <laughs> That's that <my> compilation <laughs> is like like the greatest hits of like the yeah. scene, and it's pretty yeah. awesome.
3: Oh God, yeah. William! Yeah, shared it with uh with the team at um on Slack, and I remember just kind of tearing up at at like <laughs> at your song, Shauna, because it was so beautiful. Oh. The, it it kind of like it kind of starts out in one way, but then it just kind of gradually builds and builds. Um, into, I'm so glad that you
4: feel that
3: way. Yeah, it it like takes your head up into the clouds or something. <laughs>
4: Um, I have a that was a remix of it that I did the original is on a tape that I put out that's on my bandcamp. Um and if you like that song I recommend you uh, you listen to the original it's called hard femme and oh, Matt okay. wanted to name the Matt I'm sorry there's something in my eye <laughs> um, Matt <laughs> wanted to name the compilation hard femme uh because for we were thinking of all of the musicians that we could think of and uh to put on the compilation and they all happened to be either you know identifying as woman a woman or non-binary and we were like oh my god we can't even think of one dude musician
2: right
4: <laughs> 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 which, which which to my little high school self was like the biggest relief of all time so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just so happy that I feel like I'm meant to be here.
3: <laughs> so Sean, are you from New York?
4: Yes, I'm from Long Island.
3: Oh, okay, okay. So um, I was going to ask yeah, like how, and- how do you find like a community um especially when it is such a boys club? Like do you mostly um like post things online and then just build a community organically there or do you but- find people when you when you perform
4: um what's really wonderful about new york and i think one of the things that makes it so special is that there are a lot of young people who um are have rented out spaces and created diy spaces and Mm. uh and art galleries and i i really feel like all of the spaces that I've played are all ages and run by the people who work there. And all of the money kind of just feeds right back into continuing to run it. And uh, I've met every single person that I know in the scene at one of those DIY spaces. Um and unfortunately we're kind of fighting to keep them alive right now
2: yeah but
4: that is the way of diy to be honest you know a, a space opens and then there was a space called uh in williamsburg that uh called death by audio and i met so many of my friends there and then vice vice media Took it over. They bought the building.
3: Oh, no. You
4: know, and then, but, but they also bought it being like, we love Death by Audio, and we're buying the building. So, <laughs> it's, Jeez. they bought photographs of concerts at Death by Audio to put in the lobby of their building. <laughs> <laughs> but, these faces are, <laughs> 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 Um... <laughs> But these spaces are like, they're the most special places on earth. They're truly like, they're, they have ethics. They, everyone takes care of each other and you can share your art and your music at these spaces and kids who like me, if I had known about them when I was 15, I absolutely would have gone. Uh, But I was on Long Island. (laughs) <laughs>
2: where
4: it was, you know, the only way you're gonna play music is if you're doing battle of the bands. Oh
3: God! <laughs> Which I did. <laughs> it was humiliating. <laughs> Have you um, w- was Snakeskin always your band, like from the get go, or did you were you like part of any other bands before that? <laughs> did you start any others yourself?
4: Um, when I first started writing music, I released it under the name Sean's. Uh, yeah and then with a z um, with a z yeah it's two a's because i thought it, i don't know i don't know
2: <laughs> came
4: out of the, in my head um and then uh i um was in a band called king tut and the rubber band with four <laughs> other boys and it was the coolest thing because the drummer was also a gymnast And we were kind of like a jam band and we would jam for like two minutes while the drummer got off of the drum set and started doing flips (laughs) at the front of the stage and like cool gymnast stuff. And when we were in high school, we were like, this is the coolest thing anyone's ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then when I, uh, uh, I moved to China for two years after high school. Oh no way! And yeah, I, I was I speak Mandarin. I've forgotten most of it. But I moved to China, and then when I moved back to California, that um my family moved to California while I was in China, and then I moved back to America to California, and that's when I met William.
2: Yay. And
4: yay! <laughs> And William was actually there when I officially changed Sean's to Snakeskin. <laughs> well,
3: where, where the heck did that name come from?
4: I don't know either. I, You know what? I, I kind of know. And I think this was running around in my subconscious while and, I was I mean, you life. go by
3: Snake now.
0: so
4: Yeah, and I go by Snake because William started calling me Snake. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really cute.
0: there's a specific memory i have of of you the moment that you figured out what your new name was
4: yeah i was actually working at stanford uh, (laughs) at the
2: time
0: okay like the weirdest thing was like you from my point of view you like lived in the music building which was this abandoned mansion on stanford campus Oh, I computer. know! I know what uh, is that? Karma? Center.
4: Yeah, it's karma. That's where I would hang out.
0: <laughs> and I'd go there. I'd literally never see anybody else there. Only <laughs> yeah. you. And uh, I, wa- I, I went in one day, and you were in front of this whiteboard <laughs> that was covered in equations. <laughs> <laughs> And right in the center of it was the word snake, and you had circled it. Like the second I walked in, you had circled it. Oh, wow.
3: <laughs> what a great story.
0: <laughs> so weird.
3: It was really
4: weird. Um but I I think it might have had something to do with um I had these snakeskin pants, and they were the only pants that I they were fake snakeskin pants, but they were the only pants I felt like I looked really good in it was the first time I put on pants and I was like I'm confident this feels good so I think I would maybe I was trying to bring more confidence and ownership into the music that I was making that's what I like to think
0: it's like <laughs> um it's like Nick Cage in Wild at Heart yeah <laughs> that's right he says I wear this snakeskin jacket uh, as a symbol of my individuality and personality.
4: Yeah. Um, I took a picture of that snakeskin moment. Oh, there it is. You can't see
2: it that well, but that's what
3: happened. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's got to make it into some album artwork one day. Totally.
4: Totally. I actually, I officially took a picture of it and then made it the cover photo on my sean's page and said sean's is snakeskin now oh yeah (laughs) that was a good moment (laughs) yeah i also thought that it sounded really metal and i kind of liked (laughs) the idea that maybe i was making more sensitive music with a super metal name
0: (laughs) (laughs) in fact there is another snakeskin
4: there is another snakeskin and that's there's another snake skin. They're a they're like a horror, sexy German techno electronica. Yeah, I think thing. I came across <laughs> this
3: person while doing research. I was like, this they're is not, not, not Shauna.
4: <laughs> but it, I, I think it's kind of funny that maybe for a second someone might think it is.
2: I'm kinda <laughs> into that.
3: <laughs> or no, was it because uh or do you link to it as a joke somewhere?
2: No,
4: uh, Spotify and Apple Music grouped our albums
3: oh, together. Oh, they, they confuse you guys.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are completely linked forever. <laughs> I'm sure they're, as, they're more pissed about it than I am. <laughs>
3: Ooh, that's...
4: <laughs> Maybe we'll have like a snakeskin brawl to see him finally <laughs> own the name. <laughs> or something. That'd be pretty cool. Gotta
3: be through music. Gotta have yeah. like a, yeah, Battle of the Bands of the Snakeskin name.
0: And then there's AAT Snake. Oh, what? AAT?
4: Oh, yeah. Aquatic Ape Theory was, oh, Aquatic Ape Theory was a band that I was in. We have one album. uh It's on Spotify. It is, I would describe I played banjo in that band. Whoa. And it is yeah it's a concept album that i made with my my friends kevin and nick and all of their names are on bandcamp or spotify uh and we made like an album about just a post apocalyptic cyberpunk um bluegrass future Uh, what? (laughs) Yeah. If you hear it, you'll understand it's called aquatic ape theory. And I I can't remember the whole album name. Let me quickly tell it.
3: It's like it's like bluegrass and like neon and (laughs) and spandex. (laughs)
4: Um exactly. Uh oh, there's another aquatic ape theory now. Um one second. Every everyone does this. Um I'm gonna find it.
1: Is banjo weirdly hard to learn even after you know guitar?
4: Oh yeah, so weird. It's the crazy <laughs> instrument.
1: But you know,
4: I think one of the fun things about it was I just played whatever I wanted on it. <laughs> um the the album name is called Aquatic Ape. The band is Aquatic Ape Theory and the album is Greatest Hits. By the greatest band to emigrate from beneath the ocean to the terrestrial world. Oh my <laughs> <laughs> and there are little, like, vocal intermissions between each song telling you what's happening uh, in both the future and the past. So the dates are also, the years are also dated for each transmission between each song. <laughs> it's psychotic. <laughs> Yeah. So those are the bands I've been
3: in. Outside of Snakeskin, do you like tinker around with other um, musical groups or like musicians, um, you know, just collaborating or even just being a part of that that group or band?
4: Yeah, totally. Um, I do a lot of stuff with uh, uh, my friend Marissa Paternoster from a band called Screaming Females a ton of stuff we I actually just finished collaborating with her on an album that she's gonna put out and oh, very uh, cool. all of my friends I always collaborate with them it's just so fun I feel like one of the best things that's happened to me since finding my friends and finding my scene is that I uh, the the whole idea about making it as a musician I've completely thrown out out the window cuz I feel so fulfilled by the musical friendships What
3: was what that was that idea of making it before
4: Um I think my the idea was the fantasy of being on a stage and then 5000 people know the lyrics to my song and then <laughs> I pull the mic away from my face and I, po- I pointed at the audience, and they're all like, "These <laughs> are the lyrics to your song."
2: <laughs> but now I'm
4: really cool if just two of my friends know the lyrics to the song. <laughs> I feel like I get the same feel. What I imagine that feeling would be, I feel like I feel that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I-, I feel that w- the path that I've found is so much more fulfilling and also so much more challenging. so much it it's allowed me to challenge myself to try new things in a way that I may not have done or may not have had the option to do. Uh, had I been, you know, a top 40 pop star. <laughs> <laughs> of any kind. Yeah. <laughs>
3: well, I will say some some audiences are finicky nowadays cuz I I went to the last one of the last shows I'd gone to was um I think the band Low and
2: Oh, you saw Low?
3: Yeah, out in SF when they were they they <laughs> dropped that album Double Negative, which I I really really love. Did it and break
4: your heart to see that live? <laughs> I would have they, been
3: crying the whole time. I I, I was very close to tears because I I thought the music was also just so um so beautiful and Ooh. you know I I listened to it so much that I um that I knew the words and you know the one thing I love about going to live shows is being able to sing along and and being a part of the five thousand like you said that could chant and and scream out the lyrics, yeah. but I guess because low is kind of. They're a little bit quieter now, their their oh, music yeah. that yeah. that the one of the, one of the guys in front of me, he was he turned around, he he just put his finger finger to his lips and he was like, Shh, oh be quiet. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? Like we're at a live show. So maybe <laughs> maybe scratching that idea of having, you know, the audience scream along with the lyrics totally. is a little outdated.
4: Totally Oh my gosh, love! I love their album, "The Things We Lost in the Fire." Yeah, yeah, that's that album's their perfect. Classic album, yeah, it's a classic. I haven't heard the most recent one though, so I'll definitely have to listen to it. it.
3: It a lot of people say it's like a complete deviation from their previous work. Um, and and from the very first track, you'll you'll hear it. Like cool. they're doing these like weird distorted effects uh yeah it's 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 like simultaneously very electronic and very um uh what's the word uh analog
4: you know what i think you'd love if you love electronic um and also low uh i think you would love one of my favorite albums of all time is arthur russell
3: oh yeah Um, i know Arthur.
4: uh, world of echo Mm. World of Echo is one of the most important albums to me. And I would say that it's one of the, my top influences. Going forward, oh. I feel like I'm accessing it way more now than I have in the past. But it's a terrific album and a forgotten album. And mm. I wish it wasn't forgotten. <laughs> I
3: think I I think I first came across, unfortunately, first came across Arthur Russell because of Kanye West. I think he sampled it in a, one of his songs. That's, oh, really? so
1: cool. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> Wait, well, why you know is what? that unfortunate, Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: I don't know. I don't know What's
1: That's what, the point of sampling.
3: I, I will. Whatever. I will live. I I will live and die by Kanye, but it, he's not exactly the most uh, PC person these days. So, or <laughs> or the most popular.
4: Well, you know what? If he if he introduced you to something great. Italian language.
3: chef's kiss, yeah. Oh,
4: yeah, chef's kiss. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Williams, William's been really mad at me because I've been running around the house screaming, Mamma Mia, lately. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> put on said, some Italian, like you're making fun of me. <laughs> well, are you? I'll never tell.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: you <have to> ask. <laughs>
3: And, and that hand emoji, you know, it's it's one of my top, like, three emojis that I always use in everything.
2: <laughs> Mamma
1: mia. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> yes? Oh, no. I have major internet germs at the moment. Okay. Oh, no. It's okay. Uh, okay. Shauna, what would you say to any aspiring musicians out there? Because as far as I'm concerned, you are living with artistic integrity to the max and have just like you. made it, man. I feel like
4: I've made it. I really do. I'm I get to do music every day. Um I get to help re- help kids write music, which is so fun, the best job. Uh I would say to um any as- young aspiring musicians that uh they should um, respect their own work by letting themselves explore whatever they want to explore in it. And uh, I think working with some of the younger students in songwriting that I have, uh, a lot of them are really nervous that their voice doesn't sound like it's auto-tuned. <laughs> uh, immediately coming out of their mouths, and that um, maybe the lyrics, what they have to write, uh, they feel like maybe no one else can relate to it, like wanting oh, candy, man. Judgment or wanting and more fear. Candy. No. yeah, <laughs> or uh, or you know <laughs> body image issues, and uh, what I what I usually say to them is whatever it is that you have to say or want to say in whatever way it ends up coming out of your mouth, that's going to resonate with someone. (laughs) And uh, what a, what a wonderful way to connect with people. Um, And uh, yeah, and I think to be completely open to exploring new things. Recently, William's been watching me slowly break down what I've assumed a song's supposed to be. Uh, I'm just slowly kind of tearing apart. Why does a song have to be three minutes and 30 seconds? Why does a song have to have an actual ending? Why can't a song lead into another album? (laughs) Things like this. Uh, And uh, yeah, I think questioning the structures that exist that have determined all of these arbitrary things about what music's supposed to be. Um, and then rebuilding your own way of writing is a really good thing. I think that one of the things that opened my eyes to that, and this is the last thing I'll say about it is uh, um, when I was in college, I learned that uh, the first LPs, like the first records that were made um, could fit three minutes or four three to four minutes of music on each side and that's why oh so and that's literally this... why
3: it's three and three to yeah. four minutes now
4: yeah and that's oh. why the average pop song is three minutes and 30 seconds <laughs> and it's because it was determined by literally the hardware <laughs> like how much song can you fit on something and so now since we have the internet I think it's time to completely reimagine what what an album is what music is what you think is appropriate to to release or um you know take the capitalism out of making music and just make it
2: yeah. preach yeah <laughs>
4: <Yes. laughs> that's so, really good to say
3: <laughs> <laughs> so um we since we're like an ed tech podcast. I mean, I, I feel like we have to at least make some mention of maybe education where it stands now and where it could be in the future. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts, especially since like you are teaching um, specifically songwriting and guitar, I believe? Um, do you totally. have any thoughts on like like what education could be like in the future, um, especially now since everyone's going online?
4: Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I can only speak for music education, but I do believe that music education is part of, uh, mental health. Uh, you know, I, I think that being able to express yourself, uh, musically, even if you can play like three notes on a piano or, or allowing yourself to experiment with that is so important, especially for kids right now. Uh, and, uh, I don't know. I think that is that,
3: is that tied to any like specific um, experiences you've had teaching? Like you don't have yeah. obviously you don't have to like me- name any names, but um, yeah. did it? Did you see firsthand the therapeutic benefit of just playing three notes on a piano, kind of a thing?
4: Totally. I mean, I've experienced it. I felt like music really helped me. Uh, it was. I feel like it was a form of meditation and I know Williams felt this too when he was growing up playing guitar um because you're experiencing playing something in time and you are focused on that thing your ears are completely open yeah. you're listening and then you're putting it back out I feel like that's super uh therapeutic and it and it, playing music is really a form of uh embodiment like it's you're you're strumming the rhythm and right. you're changing the chords, and then you're hearing it back, and it's it's a feedback loop, and I think that that really puts you in a state where you can be completely present, and I think that uh, I think that feeling that type of embodiment has helped a lot of my students, and also being able to write lyrics, I think having good music teachers and accepting music teachers that are open to experimenting musically with their students is important. And uh, I'm really excited because I feel like teaching music online has been super successful for me. Um, mm. My I feel like my students are actually really opening up, not having to be two feet away from me. Um, and they're starting now that they have more time they're starting to write some songs in their own time and they don't feel weird about sharing it with me so i think that you know uh, if i don't know i feel really really optimistic at least about music education online and i think that if you're creative about it it could be as impactful as teaching in real life
3: i i've 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 taken like guitar lessons I've taken piano lessons um what's like your pedagogy uh if you can if if there's a way for you to break that down like do you teach your students like just the basics of let's say like certain chords or certain notes that they can practice over and over and then give them the space to really explore and what is what is giving them the space to explore like entail like do you totally do you give them assignments that, you know, where you're just like, or I don't know. I, I, I've just never taught music before. So I, I just wouldn't know where to start or how to start.
4: Well, I've done a lot of like trial and error with this. And what I've found works the best and is the most exciting is that um, I've taught both kids and adults and this always works. Um, if when I teach guitar, or piano, I love to start listening and looking at a song that my student loves, like has listened to every day or as a kid every day. So a song that they know every single part of so that um, when they're, when we start going through it, we start breaking it apart and they start realizing all these different parts of the song existed, but they can still put it all together because they know the song Um, And then when I teach them the chords, and most songs people love are four chords.
3: (laughs) G, C, D, E.
4: And I usually transpose them if it's a little too difficult to G, C, E, you know, to make it easier. But what's great is that if they play something wrong, they can hear that it's wrong because they know the song so well. Mm -hmm. And that starts ear training. Which is playing something and be able to, being able to hear if it sounds right or sounds wrong. I think starting with a song that you know really well is such a good place to start um, because you can start to train your ears and determine whether it's right or wrong.
3: Well, that's something my teachers forgot to train <laughs> me in. <laughs> like I cannot. I I wish I could jam. Like I I know. I can, I just have like this catalog, like a songbook of songs that i can play on the piano but for the life of me if i were ever in like a jam band or a jam session i would i i would get stage fright like i i just don't know like what to play
4: oh my god i'm just saying no because i feel like i could help you with that and i want to do it right now
3: maybe i'll hit you up for music lessons
4: i would say besides chords and knowing music there's one other thing that's tied for the most important thing that you can learn in a music class. And that is confidence, no matter what. Right. Confidence. When you, when you find it, when you're playing music, it's the best thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I want all my students leaving with is, is confidence that they can play four chords, but confidence that that's also enough for them to do what they want
1: right now. And when they want to learn more, they'll learn more. Shauna, that put a big old grin on my face. That's, such, <laughs> that's so warm and fuzzy. I love it. And I love your uh, your concept of not teaching courts in a vacuum, but like creating yeah. this comfy, familiar nest. And that's totally. where you learn the stuff. I mean, sense. I got to be honest.
4: I've tried it all ways. And that's the way that that really works and gets people to feel confident enough to continue to do more.
3: That's awesome.
4: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hope that is relevant in any way. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Okay.
3: It's Um, also okay because I think with each subsequent episode, we're getting further and further away from ed tech.
2: (laughs) (laughs) More into
1: cool tech. I don't think that's true, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although that is just the tech and uh, inspirational message tone we like to end on. Um, um yeah. Can you is there you've already shared so many uh inspirations with us and uh things that you're working on, but is there anything else that you forgot to mention that you'd like to plug?
3: Oh, tell us about your new album.
4: Yes.
1: Heart Heart or Bone. Um It's
4: gonna be great. William made all three of the videos for all three of the songs. So, um, Harder Bone is a short album, but it's because I've realized albums don't have to be long. And these are the songs that I've written recently that go together. So they're the ones that should be together. And uh, it's going to be sick. They're they're (laughs) very, like, they're rock and rolly. They're catchy. um, Very different from the album that I'm working on now. That's going to be the one that follows.
3: Um, Oh, wow. So, like, even as you're wrapping up one, you're already picking up (laughs) stuff for the next. You just don't stop.
4: Yeah. I have like a list of songs. I wish I could stop because it's so annoying. There's so many songs I have that I still have to like figure out what to do with. But um, it's just really wonderful to write songs. Even if you, that's my advice, is even if you don't think that you can write a song, just write one even if you're in the shower do you do lyrics (laughs) first or melody first for me usually it is one line of melody that comes with one line of lyric
2: interesting
4: yeah and that kind of has its own tone and then i'll go to the guitar and i'll play a couple chords with it and then it'll start rolling but that's usually how it happens um And sometimes I'll say some I'll start singing something, and William will hear the wrong lyrics from the other side <laughs> of the room. And he'll say, <laughs> I have a new song. I have a new song because I wrote a joke song. That I was eating wasabi peas, and one of them landed on my keyboard. And I said, I said to William, I sang it to him, I said, There's a single wasabi key on my keyboard and he thought i said there's a single sobbing key on my keyboard and i <laughs> loved that that was like so dramatic had so much drama so um, that's a song you know <laughs> yeah and maybe really uh maybe to like finish it out i can play you a little bit of a song that i wrote with my student yesterday
3: oh my god <laughs> yes, <laughs> please do please
4: okay. cuz it's really really good and i i it just happened yesterday it's only one line <laughs> Candy, candy, candy I smell candy My mom says <laughs> No, but my
3: heart says
2: Yes
3: <laughs> Where's <laughs> my pop. She, she, <laughs> she was so nervous
4: about writing And then she It was like, I was like, my mom says no, but my heart says yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: That's <laughs> genius. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. My
4: God. Anyway. That was that.
3: wonderful. Oh, heart yeah. or, or bone, when, it, when can we expect it?
4: Um, part of, uh, I'm on an independent record label. And they screen print and print all of the vinyl by scratch, by hand. Um, everything is handmade, so uh, we're doing about I think three hundred of them. They're still working on it, so I think early twenty twenty one. Yeah,
0: it's whenever but the vinyl think, press factory turns yeah. whenever on.
4: Whenever the vinyl press turns <laughs> on, and the vinyl <laughs> press factory is just run by one of my record labels' friends. So <laughs> 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 so whenever he he goes back to the press is when uh, come out. <laughs> But William did all the artwork, all the videos, all the merch that's going to come out. And it's really exciting.
3: We, I think, um, yeah, we always internally uh, comment on what a great partnership you two have. Um, it's, it's like, they're very complimentary. One works on the music, one works on everything else uh, yeah. to really promote that music.
1: And yet also yeah. have independent art uh, personas. We do. Totally. We talk about this a lot because Sam is is like wacky, Weird. and wonderful, and uber talented. And you are just an exact match. I yeah, yeah, it's use? pretty crazy. <laughs> it,
0: it it's like what you said, Andrew, earlier, uh, like uh, about Bjork and David Lynch, which is that their aesthetic influences. I I think that. Um, an important thing to both of us is um not it's not just music and it's not just image but it's it's um an aesthetic world that we get to create together and
4: yeah an idea world
0: i feel like you
4: and i you and i are always like we, uh, once a month, we'll we'll somehow have a little topic, and uh, we'll just explore it You see what I'm pointing at, Shauna? Oh yeah. You want to say let pull, it?
0: Let me let me bring that. It,
4: it, wait, it won't it won't get it off the wall. It's stuck to the wall with tape. I taped it to the wall. I'm so sorry.
2: It's double sided <laughs> <and> tape.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't know you did it that way. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it's uh, that'll be stuck fun to, to take the off. Wall.
2: It's what never is, it? what
1: off. is it? What is it?
0: It's a still of Werner Herzog <laughs> saying that we need we need new images um, to survive, and we need like images. we need adequate images. And uh, uh he was basically saying that, like the ideal world of cinema and of art and aesthetics. Needs, needs to be able to meet the the challenges of the times. And he said that like 40 years ago um, and I think it's more important now. and I think like the idea of making new worlds is a really interesting thing that that's what you and I do.
4: <laughs> yeah
0: we're crazy people.
4: We're Sorry. crazy <laughs> <laughs> We're wacky, we're wacky
1: guys.
3: Shana. Fine line between crazy and genius.
1: <laughs> Shauna, really, I, really I don't want to end this not focusing on you, so we'll make sure to ask William uh, the opposite question later. But can you tell us something about him that we may not know? <laughs>
4: oh, something about William that you may not know. Yeah. Man, I feel like this guy is an open book. I'm trying trying to think of something that he wouldn't I'm trying to think of a dark secret (laughs) give me a second um did you know that uh I feel like you might you guys really might know a lot about him um did you know that he uh eats a burger every time he's sad (laughs) (laughs) no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and can i tell you something else it genuinely makes him feel better <laughs> he he goes and he's like i'm a little sad i think i'm just gonna order a burger, I'll get does, a burger does he have a go-to
3: after, to burger
4: oh yeah oh yeah and then and then after he eats it he's like i feel way better i'm
1: so glad <laughs> i got that burger <laughs> Uh, I did not know this, but I'm not surprised because I do remember the time that William could not eat burgers, and so on our whiteboard at work, he drew a burger that sat a very detailed burger that sat on the whiteboard for like maybe a full year. It's all coming. It's all becoming clear. Everything's so clear. Snake, it. Thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Yeah, my pleasure. I'm so glad. Whenever you guys want to do a little team songwriting session, I'm very happy to lead it. Ooh. Oh.
1: Oh,
3: we're always Just looking for team building activities.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Wow. I'm cool. so into that. We're going to do it. <laughs> cool. Beautiful. All right. Um...
3: And maybe we could end it on this wonderful theme song that that Shauna herself had produced. For our listeners, uh, Shauna and William are swaying like a uh, Carlotta.
0: Carlotta. Um, floatable man thingies if you know a guy who has like a hundred of them let me know
2: let us both know
1: (laughs) well that's our show thank you so much for listening and please like subscribe and review our podcast i to see you
4: try and draw the line Between stubbornness and strength And paralysis from fear
2: Can't tell the difference between a bluff and far